Hey everybody, welcome back to Go Live. Happy Friday, hope everyone's doing fine and safe. Let's get into it. Um, today, the topic of concern is all about fear. And I once heard when I was young that man fears what he doesn't understand. And fear no more because we will basically clarify how colleges look at course load and course rigor. So if you have been wondering what courses to select next year, if you've ever wondered whether I should take this AP this or AP that, today I'm gonna go ahead and give you some more understanding from an insider view, right? Having been trained and having reviewed, you know, obviously in the admissions realm for over 10 years, I'll tell you how we look at course rigor. If you guys like our channel, please hit the subscribe button, share this, like it, drop some comments, let us know what you want to hear because we are here for you and we are here to eliminate your stress, probably more importantly, eliminate your fear. So let's get into how colleges look at course rigor. Before I get started on the three things, three ways, the three steps we take when we look at a student's course rigor, I wanna throw in a bonus and just say this. I recently had a student ask me whether self-studying for an AP exam, you know, let's say during the school year, will impact their GPA or is the same as, you know, taking a class in it. And here's the answer, guys. Short answer, no, <laughs> it is not the same. Self-studying an AP class does not indicate, right, your interest in a subject per se. It just indicates that you self-studied something for a or a test score, right? Since you don't earn a grade from it, and since you didn't you know, take it as a class and doesn't show up on your transcript, your high school transcript, it doesn't have anything to do with course rigor. But I, I'm bringing this up because I think a lot of parents and students get, they think that they can game the system somehow by taking self-studying for AP exams and then like saying, thinking like, okay, it's gonna look the same as if I took that AP, you know, in addition to all the things I've was already doing. And I find this to be really common, especially in like, the SFB area where people think, okay, well, my school only offered these. So I'm going to go out of my way and take some extra AP classes on my own and just self-study for the exam. If that's what you're thinking, you're in the wrong line of thought <laughs> because that is exactly not what colleges look for. And it's exactly not how they evaluate course rigor and what was available to you. So let's get into it. How do colleges look at course rigor? Number one, the very first, very first question they ask is where did the student go to school? And that determines off the top, what was available to you? So whether that you went to a school that where you did, couldn't take any weighted courses, your ninth and 10th grade, and you could only take up to two or three, you know, and say 11th and 12th grade, that informs a university who to compare you against because you have to understand a university for the most part compares you to to your peers at your school so there is no expectation of you going outside out of your way and self-studying for ap's because we only compare you to what was available to you right and let me throw this in there as well guys why do we not look at self-studied ap exam or ap exam results right as part of the standardized process of admissions it's simple, equity, <laughs> right? Think about it this way, right? Do all students have the same opportunity to go self-study and get the resources to, to learn about 
you know, um, an AP course and then go take the, take the exam. No, there are so many students out there who don't have the resources to do that. So we can't give the students with the resources to go self-study for an AP exam, the benefit, some advantage, right? That is, that would be really, really unfair, right? Hence why we have to compare you to what, what school, to other peers who went to the same school as you and what was available to you, right? So the very first question is, where did the student go to school, right? And if I'm gonna compare that student with students outside of, of, of that school, it's gonna be with other similar schools with similar course offerings, right? Otherwise I'm comparing apples with oranges or comparing oranges with cucumbers, right? So, you know, I need to compare, I need to know who to compare you against. That's called having the same denominator, obviously, right? A three eighths versus seven eighths, right? We need the same denominator comparisons. So that's the first question, okay? And so it's really important to understand that, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's basically not going to be an advantage of you to go into, going out of your way to take APs that you couldn't take at your school just because you can, you think you, it'll make you look better. No, it's what was available to you, right? And this leads me to point number two, which is, okay, what did you take? So if number one is, what school did you go to? So I can understand what was available to you. The second question is, well, what did you take, right? What did you take, okay? And really simple, guys. You want to challenge yourself without over-challenging yourself, okay? That's the key here, okay? So let's say at any given year, okay, Let's say in freshman year, you could only take one honors course and that was honors English, okay? Okay, fair. Did you take it or did you not? All right, we'll keep going, keep going. Let's say we get to junior year. You could have taken, let's say up to three AP courses and you elected to take two, right? Okay, wonderful, you go to the 12th grade. Let's say you, you can take up to four and you elected to take two again or three, right? We're trying to understand, okay, not only what did you take in terms of overall course load and rigor, but where did your courses come from? What were your courses? Because not all AP courses are the same, right? And we'll be talking about this, guys, in our next week's podcast episode, which is how do you indicate towards a major? But let me give you guys a tip right now. If you're an engineering candidate, taking AP physics is more valuable than taking AP lit, <laughs> right? Or taking AP calculus, is more valuable than taking AP stats. So it's not necessarily how many weighted courses did you take. No, no, I said, what did you take? Not how many, what did you take, right? So again, another misconception is, I find parents a lot of times say, what's the count? What's the number? What's the magic number, right? How many weighted courses do I need to take? And that one shows an absolute disregard for a student's capabilities. And secondly, which AP courses even matter in the first place, right? Or which honors courses even matter in the first place? What is the context, right? right? But we have to also get down to the third part here, which is the third question is, okay, if once I know, number one, where does this go to school? So I understand what was available to, to him or her. And number two, okay, based on what was available to him or her, what did they take, right? How much did they challenge themselves? Naturally, the third question is, how did the student do, right? And if you're watching this and if you've ever, ever wondered, I, I want you to write these three things down because this is literally how you should be advising your student, right, on selecting courses. One, okay, well, where do you go to school? Let's look at your course offerings. What's available to you year after year? 
Number two, what should we take? What makes sense, right? Relative to your interests, relative to your capabilities, right? Don't ask how many, right? Ask which ones. Number three, how are you gonna do? Which ones will you get an A in, right? So the third question is, how did the student do? Too often, it goes something like this. Okay, which which uh, weighted courses are there? Okay, let's try to, I heard that we have to take eight to 10 or 12. Let's go ahead and fill them up, okay? And there's this absolute disregard for how you're gonna end up doing. There's just this assumption that parents make that somehow, some way, if I give my students as much, you know, tutoring or if I, you know, give them as much, you know, import and as much money into the supporting them, they'll they'll figure it out. They'll get A's. And guess what happens? Most of the time, students overchallenge themselves to take way more than they should be in areas that don't even matter. And then boom, they got B's, 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 couple of C's here and there. They're treading water rather than swimming from shore to shore, right? Um, they're just treading water. They're barely holding on, right? And so how does a student do is the final, most important, in my opinion, question that in the, in the missions that we ask is because, well, at the end of the day, I wanna be confident that you will graduate on time from my university, <laughs> right? Now, naturally, right? If we think about this three, these three questions, right? Different universities in terms of their selectivity, have different standards and thresholds, right? Obviously, if we're talking about, let's say a Loyola Marymount, right? They're gonna have probably less of an expectation in terms of how many rigorous courses you take and you know how many A's you get in those rigorous courses, right? Then say an MIT or then say a Pitzer, right? Or say a Harvey Mudd, right? So, you know, depending on the colleges that we're talking about, right? We need to make sure we're taking a balanced approach that one, puts our students in a position where they're learning about their interests and two, where they're getting as many A's as possible. Because let me give you guys a secret number. Right? If, you're, if you're tuning in from the Bay Area, which is highly likely because well, I'm here right here in our Fremont office, right? But if you're also going to you know, a well-off suburb somewhere else, chances are right, you have a lot of APs and honors in front of you to choose from. Here's the magic number. I've been advising students for over 10 years easily now, okay? The magic number is three to four. If you're going for tier one schools, there, I said it. If we're talking about Berkeley LA, right? That is their general expectation because why? It's not because of the number, it's because they need to be sure that you can take three or four weighted courses and do exceptionally well in them and do exceptionally well in them. Why? Because if you can get A's in, Eight, three AP courses, you're probably prepared to get to graduate on time from the university, right? Because by the time you get there, that's what you'll be taking three to four, right? College level courses. And they don't want you to get B's and C's. They want you to get A's, mostly A's, if anything, right? So one, two, and three, right? That's how colleges look at course rigor. Where does a student go to school? That tells me what was available to you based on number two, what was available to you. What did you take? And three, right, how did you do? So put simply, let me throw out a one final bonus tip, okay? If you've ever thought of or you've heard of, hey, maybe it's better if I, go, if I have my student go to school with more APs, because they'll be able to take more APs than what their current school offers, right? You are playing yourself. Here's why your student will not be compared against the school with less MAPs. 
your student will be compared with the other students, okay, who are taking, who are, who already had all those AP, those more AP classes at this new school. So what you're doing is you're actually moving your student from a less competitive school to a more competitive one, right? Which is an absolutely ridiculous decision to make, right? From a strategic standpoint, from a sanity standpoint, why would you do that, right? And again, another, another thing that I just have a huge beef with is why would you have your students self-study for APs on the side, right? When it doesn't even count the same as a class or a grade, when your student is, chances are they're probably too busy to even get a five in this test or even study well for it, right? Rather, guys, I need you to start thinking smarter, right? How do I dedicate my students' time towards genuinely investigating their interests, not self-studying for an AP, right? No one's keeping count, guys, right? That's not what it's about. It's about helping your students take the classes that they, they're interested in and know they can get A's in helping them challenge themselves. Why is that so important, guys, okay? Because on one hand, I'm sure, you know, some people are thinking, well, if, you know, my student, you know, is not interested in taking any, any weighted courses, then what, right? I'd argue, well, <laughs> it's important to challenge a student somewhat or enough because guess what? When you, they aren't challenged, they get bored. When a student is not challenged, they get bored. This is how it works, okay? There's almost this like, this like optimal, like, you know, linear, like, you know, like, I guess you can say a little like a uh, tunnel, if you will, if you were to draw like, okay, you know, challenge and fun, right? And it, it can't be too challenging and it can't be too much fun and too easy, right? It needs to be somewhere in the middle there, right? So guys, in a nutshell, okay, the way course rigor is analyzed depends on the selectivity of the school, but even then, right, let's say it's a really selective school, I would argue it's not in your benefit to take any more then four. Here's why. Because after you pass four APs or weighted courses and you decide to take more, fifth AP, sixth AP, you're losing time in everything else. You're losing time in optimizing your profile and genuine curiosity, in service, in creativity, and just being a kid, right? And we tend to have our students focus so much on the letter grade because that's what's tangible. When in reality, college admissions guys, choosing the right courses and doing well in them only accumulates, or, or, or you know, I can say only, yeah, about, let's see, the, the entire decision probably relies on that only about 40 to 50%. And if we're talking about the Stanford's, the Berkeley's of the world, right? It's even less because all these applicants are overqualified from a num numerical standpoint. They all have weighted courses. They all have A's, right? That's not what sets your student apart. But then, so why are we spending 90, 100% of our time and our resources in that? We need to start. We need to start thinking smarter, guys. Right? We need to start again helping our students pursue their genuine interests and putting them in a position where they can get A's. Both of those things. That is not an or statement. So I hope this guys helps you out. Helps you understand right how colleges view rigor, right? And squashes some of the myths out there, right? That I've you've heard whether it was 14 APs or whether it was oh I should probably move my student to a better school. Right? Don't fall victim to these guys. It's a sure way to get stressed out. It's a sure way to lose your sanity and it's a sure way that your student will probably lose theirs as well. So I hope this helps. Um, let me kind of give you guys a sneak preview of perhaps something in the future. There's two questions colleges ask, only two, in this order. Number one, when we're evaluating candidates, number one, can I trust you will graduate on time? <laughs> number two, what will you bring to our community? We'll talk about 
the second one at a later future date. But for now, just understand the first one's only about 50% of the game. Till the next time, guys. Have a great, great weekend. Happy Friday. I hope everyone's taking Monday on, taking Monday off. And if you're not, reconsider.